When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. One of the things that I love about visiting Indiana are those times when I get to experience what I call a good cracking thunderstorm. Just two weeks ago, I was sitting outside under a canopy, reveling in flashing lightning and pouring rain and crashing thunder. I just loved it. What is that? Anybody else feel that way about thunderstorms? Yeah, yeah. However, I don't think I would have loved the storm in which the disciples found themselves. A windstorm that is described in the Greek as megas, the word from which we derive our word mega. Though there were at least four experienced fishermen on board, this storm overwhelmed all of the disciples' efforts to prevent their boat from sinking into the waves churning around them. It was a bad situation. Finally, disciples turned to the one person who had not been frantically struggling with wind and water, to Jesus, who, despite the chaos around him, was asleep in the stern. Shaking him awake, the disciples exclaimed, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Their question reveals a great deal. First, the title by which they addressed Jesus, Teacher, reminds us of the work that he had been doing just before this voyage across the Sea of Galilee, teaching a crowd, such a large crowd that he was forced to sit in a boat to avoid being crushed, teaching parables that compared the kingdom of God to ordinary things, a man sowing grain, the hidden mysterious growth of seeds that inevitably produces a harvest, a tiny mustard seed that becomes a great shrub. All day long, Jesus had alternated between teaching the crowds and interpreting his parables to the disciples, and he was exhausted. Exhausted or not, the frightened disciples are understandably astonished that Jesus can sleep at all and undoubtedly a bit angered by his seeming disregard for their peril. After all, he was the one who wanted to cross to the other side of the lake and insisted that we go even though it was night and even though the other side was Gentile territory. How could he sleep at a time like this? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It seems that the disciples found themselves on stormy seas in more than one way. As often do we. Well, I suspect that a few of us have experienced a storm on the water. I would venture to say that all of us have experienced the turmoil of storms in our lives, those times when events threaten to overwhelm us and we are filled with fear, a serious illness or accident, the loss of a job or a close relationship, a crushing failure, a difficult conflict, the death of a loved one. All of us have struggled to make sense out of the challenges that cause upheaval in our lives, in our communities, in our country, and yes, even in our church. Indeed, these days it seems that storms are raging all around us. And though we may want, not want to admit it, like the disciples, we have wondered, God, do you not care? 
Do you not care what is happening to my loved ones? Do you not care what is going on in our country? Do you not care about our church? Do you not care about me? We're not the only ones or even the first to feel this way. The scriptures record many examples of people crying out in fear and frustration to a God who seems not to care. Psalm 35, 22 through 23, for example, says, You have seen, O Lord, do not be silent. O Lord, do not be far from me. Wake up, bestir yourself for my defense, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Likewise, Psalm 44, in which Israel pleads for God's help, ends with these words. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? For we sink down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And then there is the poignant cry that begins the 23rd Psalm, a cry which Jesus himself uttered from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When the storms of life are raging, we cannot help but feel lost, abandoned, and terrified, just like the disciples in that boat. But here's the thing. The disciples are not crying out to someone whom they cannot see or touch or hear. They are crying out to Jesus who is right there in the boat with them, with them in the midst of the wind and the waves crashing over them. And when they cry out to him, he responds big time. Mark tells us, he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Our English words don't do him justice. Jesus doesn't just calm the storm, he commands it. In the Greek, the word that we translate as peace, the word is a much stronger word that means be silent or shut up. And be still is literally be muzzled. They're the same words that Jesus used to subdue a demon in the opening chapter of this gospel. And when Jesus spoke, we are told that the wind immediately ceased and there was a calm, a deep and utter calm as mega as the storm that preceded it. Ah. Then Jesus turns to his own amazed disciples and poses questions of his own. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? I have to say, his words cut me to the quick. How can you ask that, Jesus? I mean, yes, the disciples have seen miracles, they've seen healings, they've seen changes in people's lives, but, whoa, being a sea in the storm is something more. And when you calmed it, oh my goodness, the gospel uses Meg again, so once to describe, again, once again to describe the fear, not the awe the fear that the disciples feel when the storm ends. Who then is this, they ask, that even wind and sea obey him? 
I don't blame them for asking that question. I'd be asking it too. And after all, when you think about it, it's only the fourth chapter of Mark and the disciples are still new at this. They will see miracles equally as amazing as this one as they cross back and forth across the sea. But for the moment, they are afraid. And somehow, that's appropriate. In truth, I wonder if Jesus asked those questions in a gentle voice, knowing that the disciples still have much to learn and knowing that he will be with them as they do. As he is with us when storms threaten and we feel afraid, as he is with us when we cry out in anger or in despair, as he is with us even when we aren't sure about who he is or what he is asking us to do. Yesterday I experienced my own mini storm. I was afraid. Afraid because I felt like I needed to do something, and I didn't want to do it. I felt like I needed to join in a protest that was taking place near my home, a protest against separation of the families at our country's borders. But I was afraid, afraid of being part of something I couldn't control, afraid of what people might think, afraid of what might happen. I, I don't have the courage of nine of my colleagues who were arrested during a protest earlier in the week. In fact, I've only participated in one protest march my whole life, the March for Our Lives that took place a couple of months ago in Manhattan Beach. But yesterday's protest didn't involve walking in the midst of a big crowd. It meant standing exposed on a street. Blown about by my anxiety, I wavered back and forth, and finally I said to my husband, I'm going to take a walk and just see what I see. Yeah. I did pray at that point, and then found myself making a sign that said, love families, all the while wondering what I was doing. So I started walking, holding the sign close against me, words on the inside. And as I walked, I wondered if and when I would cross to the other side of the street, the side on which the protest was scheduled to take place. When I finally chose to cross over, I was still too far away to see or hear anything, but as I walked, I grew more determined and less fearful, and when I could finally see people gathered, I knew, I knew I was going to take part. It was a peaceful protest. People were present on all corners of the insection, holding signs, not blocking traffic, not yelling, just talking with one another and cheering when someone in a car, you know, honked their horn or gave us the thumbs up. I held my sign very quietly. Didn't want too much tension. But then I began to wave to people who honked and who drove by with their thumbs up. And not everybody did, of course. A lot of people just wanted to get through that intersection, and I'm sure that some disagreed with what was happening. But you know, I was okay with that. I stayed about 45 minutes, and when I walked home, I didn't hide my sign. I carried it so people could read it, because I wasn't afraid anymore. 
Now, I'm not sharing this with you to tell you what you th think about this issue. I have no doubt that some of you agreed with, disagreed with that protest, and I'm okay with that. And if you want to have a conversation about it, I'm fine with that. I'm sharing this with you because, like the disciples, my faith is weak. And I'm afraid of the power of the storm. But sometimes, sometimes I find the courage to act in spite of my fear. And when that happens, when I'm able to face the storm of my fear, it's because I know, I know that I'm not alone. You see, I believe that when storms threaten and we are afraid, God is with us because God loves us. Even when we have a hard time trusting, even when we cry out in anger and despair, God is with us and God loves us. God loves us no matter what. And because of that megas love, if you will, we can bring our fear to Jesus. For he is right there in the boat, in the hospital room, in the committee meeting, on the street with us. He is with us, and he is willing and able to calm the storms within us so that we can face the storms without. If we will only gather what little faith we have and ask, if we will dare to admit that we need his help. I invite you to do that just now. In the midst of whatever storms you might be facing, I invite you to gather what little faith you have and to join me in asking God for help. We're gonna do this as we pray the prayer of confession that is printed in the bulletin. And I invite you to turn to that prayer now. <clears throat> 